0: Welcome to The Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young. It's so good to be here. It is so good to be with you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, The Catholic Foodie, you know, this is a new thing on Real Life Radio, but it's uh, it's not really new in my life. I've been doing The Catholic Foodie thing for about um, seven years now, I think. It's six or seven years. Uh, back in 2008, I started uh, The Catholic Foodie. And really, the whole point behind this it's where food meets faith is what I like to say. But the whole point behind it is to inspire and encourage uh, families, to inspire and encourage you to get into the kitchen and get back around the table. You know, we live lives that are just so busy. We're so busy uh, going in different directions all the time. If you have kids in school, you know what this is like. There's, uh, there's never any downtime uh, between the activities at school during the day, the after school activities, homework and everything else. It gets to be very difficult to find time. Just to get around the table, and that's that's what I'm here to to do. I'm here to try to encourage folks to to do that because you know what? I, I, I'm a foodie. I love food. I love to cook. Um, but when you stop and think about it, it really isn't about the food. You know, it's about those meals, those shared meals uh, around the table. It's about relationship. It's about family. And uh, I am so blessed that today, on this second show of The Catholic Foodie on Real Life Radio, uh, to have a, another friend with me. Uh, we have Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinkie, joining us today. Sarah, welcome to The Catholic Foodie Show.
1: Hey, Jeff. I'm just so excited to be with you, and you're such a good friend, and this is just going to be awesome.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, Sarah, for, for those who may not know what The Catholic Drinkie is all about, could you please tell us just a little bit about that?
1: So my blog is a ripoff of Jeff's blog um, in that I focus on instead of the food things in life, I focus on the drink things in life. Uh, And so my tagline, which um, Jeff gave me permission to use, was is where faith meets brew. So I talk about beer and um, alcohol and cocktails and how it all works with the Catholic Church and building community.
0: And that's just amazing. And, you know, when you're talking about good food, this is what I've found. And you can tell me if you've, you've found this out, too, or, or you've experienced this. What I've discovered over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years is that talking about food, food is a very um, – what's the word? It's common ground, right, because we all have to eat. It's, it's like a an, an equalizer in a sense. Um, and because of that, I, I get to talk to people from all walks of life. Um, it doesn't matter what religion they are. Uh, they feel – safe and uh not threatened to talk to me about anything because we're talking about food that's where we meet that's the common ground do you find that uh that that you have that sort of openness that people have toward you
1: oh absolutely and especially with something like alcohol um no matter whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not most folks like a good drink I say most not everybody but most folks like a good drink and it's such a great common ground to meet people where they are whether it's online talking about your favorite beer your favorite cocktail or actually in a bar itself where it's a really relaxed environment and very much a place for strangers to just talk to each other
0: you know there there are um, quotes, and I wish I would have prepared this ahead of time. I mean, I, I think about them from time to time. You know, quotes where, uh, and these are from from writers. I'm thinking like even uh, I mean, very famous classic writers talking about how life happens. Like you can actually, life happens in a pub. Is what is the quote that I'm thinking of right now, and uh, it's true. It's like there's these relationships can happen over a cocktail. They can happen over hummus. Do You know that yesterday was International Hummus Day.
1: Oh, man, I love hummus. (laughs) No, how I
0: miss that? I mean, I I had this vision. Someone actually on Facebook uh, sent that information to me today saying it's International Hummus Day, or at least it was yesterday. And I'm thinking, how in the world could I have missed that? And and then the vision I have, did you ever see the movie uh, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen?
1: Oh, yeah, classic. Where where you have all those,
0: (laughs) those characters like the Tooth Fairy and Mother Nature. They all have these like meetings, you know, they all get together and have a, who? Who determines what 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 is what on an international day? I mean, who determines? these? I, I think people just make it up. I mean, it's crazy. I, I need to make one up too. This is going to be International Real Life Radio Day. How about that? <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'm in. But that's the uh, that was the, the 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 image that I had. I missed the the thing on the hummus. But you know, uh, we can get together over hummus. We can get together over a beer or over a cocktail. And, and it really is those relationships. So, you know, Sarah, you have um, quite a story. Uh, you have a lot that's going on right now. Uh, things are hopping over there over at CatholicDrinky.com. Can you tell us some of the things that you've got going on? I know one is coming up real soon in just a couple of weeks. You have a book coming up.
1: Yeah, my first book releases on June 1st, Uh, so if you haven't pre-ordered it yet, feel free to hop over to catholicdrinky.com and uh, use some of the links there, but it's just, it's madness. I can't believe that I wrote a book, and it's coming out in like a week or two and a half weeks, or I don't even know anymore, (laughs) but uh, two and a half weeks, and it's just a dream come true, really, of everything that's happening at this time, and you know, a lot of it I really can uh, thank Jeff Young for, he's been such an inspiration to me. Um, so I'm going to have a little nerd out moment, but, uh, you know, Jeff, you're just great. And you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the support of people like you and so many other Catholic bloggers out there. And so, you know, if you haven't bought Jeff's book, let me tell you, his book is full of recipes like hummus that, um, I use, all the time. So, um, you know, and Jeff's got a couple of pages in my book as well. And it's just really cool to watch all this fun fun, amazing stuff come together all because I decided to become friends with people like you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's crazy how God works sometimes, huh?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've got blog or excuse me, my book coming out, it's called the Catholic drinkies guide to Homebrewed evangelism. And the official release date is June 1st, but, uh, you know, it'll probably come out a little earlier than that. Um, so you can pre-order it also just, I'm just trying to blog a lot. I went for about a year and a half without blogging at all. Um, I've got, you know, I've had this blog, this website, and I just let it sit. Um, But this Lent, it was one of my... Uh, you know, commitments to myself um, and something that I felt God was calling me to in a particular way to redevelop the blogging habits. And so I've been trying to blog um, a, several times a week, if not every day, you know, put up recipes. Right now I've got uh, a series going on called Classic Cocktail. Um, and I just, I'm having so much fun because I think classic cocktails are the best drinks out there. And there's a reason why they've uh, existed for as long as they have. And so going through that. And just talking about you know different beers that are coming out and all this good stuff.
0: You know the uh, the, the the book. I mean, well, thank you first of all for all the the kind words. Um, I, I still remember. Was it it was Boston, wasn't it? We're in Boston. Yes. Uh, at the the CNMC, the Catholic New Media Conference, and that was in 2010. It, yes. And flies, huh? Golly. Yeah.
1: Almost five years. Can you believe it? It's it's
0: crazy. It really is. But I remember sitting there. Um, it was the keynote, the opening, the opening keynote or the opening, whatever it was uh, that, that night um, with, or was it that morning with, um, uh, help me out here. It was Mac Barron.
1: Mac Barron, Mac yeah.
0: who was doing this, um, I don't know, it was kind of an entertainment icebreaker type of thing. And I think he was talking about, you know, these are the shows of SQPN, right? Starquest Production Network, which is a, a you know, network of podcasters. And uh, he's saying, but these are, are shows that we would never do. And I can't even remember all the ones that they had. Do you remember any of those?
1: I don't remember any of them except for except obviously. For
0: just, right. <laughs> yeah. And here's the Catholic foodie, you know, Jeff Young. But here's one we'll never do or would we'll never see. And it's the Catholic drinky. <laughs> And uh, that was just a moment of inspiration.
1: (laughs) It really was. Just the light bulb went off. You know, the night before we had had a cocktail party and after a few of us went out for some additional libations and and I went out with Lino Rulli um, and Lino and I were chatting um, and he asked me, so, you know, what new media presence do you have? To which my response was, I don't have any, I'm just here for work. And so, you know, he laughed, gave me a hard time. And then when he went to order a drink, he ordered an amaretto on the rocks and I looked at him and I said, well, that's great, but you're a grown man. So what's your drink? <laughs> and so from there he, he said, well, you know, why don't you do some sort of blog that has to do with alcohol since you obviously know a little bit about it. Cause he asked me, um, at, after he had his amaretto on the rocks to order him another drink and he, he was happy with what I gave him. So leno set set that in my mind and i just thought i don't have time to do this and then the next day you know here's the name given to me on a silver platter essentially and i said all right god I'm, I'm listening i i hear it and so i said yes um said yes to to everybody in the room said yes to what i felt the holy spirit was moving me to do and now here we are almost five years later i've got um you know built quite a community. I I shouldn't say I have. I would say that God has um, used me to build a wonderful community. And um, hopefully this book that's coming out will help to reach some of those Catholics that maybe are on the cusp a bit, Um, because the crutch of it is really about um, the history of alcohol in the Catholic Church. And I outline each of the beer brewing monks and uh, all the breweries, all the ancient beers and how Beer uh, has really essentially saved the world from the plague and several other other great things just about alcohol that aren't necessarily super churchy. And then the other half of my book is all of my homebrew recipes. So I'm really hopeful that in some way this reaches some folks that maybe grew up Catholic but don't attend mass anymore and it can help them see that, you know, it, it, you can be quote unquote normal and still be a passionate Catholic.
0: Amen. Amen to that. You know, that's, uh, that's one of the things that I love to talk about is the fact that God meets us where we are. You know, uh, he, he doesn't uh, expect perfection. He doesn't want us to necessarily, like we have to, I think sometimes we have this image and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that none of us, none of our parents were perfect, you know, and none of our teachers were perfect when we were kids and we we're growing up and we, we had this, this image idea that we have to go make ourselves pretty in a sense in order to present ourselves to God. It's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, that's why Jesus came, right? He's, he's the one, he's the savior. He's the one who, who makes us what we need to be. And, uh, it, and so it's good. God meets us where we are. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of those recipes and also homebrewed evangelism, uh, after we come back from the break, y'all stay tuned. You're listening to the Catholic foodie show Right here on Real Life Radio. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show right here on Real Life Radio. So glad that you were here. We are blessed today to be talking with Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky, over at CatholicDrinky.com. And you know, over the break, you know, we're talking to the drinky here, right? Uh, the Catholic drinky, over the break, we're talking about classic cocktails and what, what might constitute a classic cocktail. You know, that's one of the things when I was uh, – I saw that blog post come out recently. She's working on this classic cocktail series, and I saw that blog post come out, and I was thinking, you know – Really, I think we've seen a resurgence, uh, a a renewal of the cocktail scene over the last uh, year or two at least, if not longer. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, we can think back to cocktails like Tom Cruise right back in what was that movie he was in where he's tossing bottles around and. and
1: It was called Cocktail.
0: It was called Cocktail. There you go. I kept thinking risky business, but that was different. Different. the airplane, guitar, socks, you know, um, you know slide across the floor thing. This is cocktail. That's right. And um, uh, but, but recently, though, in the last couple of years, it does seem that there was a, a sort of a resurgence going on with classic cocktails. So, Sarah, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you're talking about. What are classic cocktails? And um, enlighten us.
1: So for the most part, they're going to be the most common cocktails that people um, have heard of probably don't realize, however, that they are considered classic cocktails. Um, believe it or not, a margarita is a classic cocktail. Um, so is a Manhattan and an old fashioned, my super favorite, Mai Tais, whiskey sours, uh, a classic martini, even the cosmopolitan. Um, so the cranberry vodka with a twist, um, These are all classic cocktails. So they're really the ones that are your go-to drinks, Uh, but most folks don't realize that all of these have really interesting histories. And most of them, believe it or not, were created right here in the United States. The Mai Tai was made in Hawaii, but for the most part, most of them have been made here in the continental United States in one of the big cities. Cough Cough, New York (laughs) (laughs) is definitely one of the one of the big spots. And they all have roots in the in Prohibition. So folks really needed to come up with some interesting ways during Prohibition to um, make Some alcohols last a little longer since some things uh, had to be made bootlegged, and it also made things a little bit uh, more strong at that point. So all these classic cocktails started coming out, especially even before Prohibition, uh, when we had the Roaring Twenties. You know, that was just such... A time here in America where folks were going out to bars and they were, you know, swing dancing and it was, you know, parties, parties because the economy was just booming. And so there was such a need for people to get really creative and all of these drinks to differentiate themselves from other bars and restaurants. And so um, all of these cocktails started coming out as competitions of, oh, well, so-and-so makes something better than so-and-so. And now here we are in, in 2015 and we're still reaping the benefits of the genius that, that were these bartenders, um, you know, a hundred years ago here in the United States. And so it's just a great time to get to know and go back to basics. Uh, cause I think in so many ways, that's what a lot of folks are looking for. Just something that's simple, but, uh, is vintage, you know, all the, all the hipsters these days, that's what they enjoy. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's funny. You think about the margarita, which is just everywhere. You know, peop- everybody knows about the margarita. But I mean, it was named after a flower. You know, there's certain things that we don't we don't realize or associate with with these uh, these drinks. And uh what's interesting is when you make a margar like the the original recipe of a margarita, which today we're accustomed to these frozen drinks and there's a lot of sugar in them and, and that kind of thing. But these classic, classic drinks weren't necessarily like that, you know? So you you love old fashions, apparently.
1: Yeah, that's my very favorite. I I must confess that I've given in to the bourbon surge that has occurred over really the last two, three years. Um, You know, some might say longer than that, but um, I would say that bourbon's really quote, hit it big um, over the last two to three years. It's really the most popular uh, hard liquor right now. Um, And you can see that when you walk into a liquor store and there's quite a large bourbon selection. And if you go really to any a restaurant that has a craft cocktail menu, I would say that at least half of them are going to contain bourbon these days. So it, people are duking it out uh, more so than they ever have for, uh, any other beverage. So it, it's, it's really fun. And, um, I've learned how to make a really stellar old fashioned, uh, after some practice and, but it's all about the, the bourbon that you choose to use. Um, I'm a four roses fan. hmm I like Four Roses. Um, it's a little bit sweeter than some other bourbons. I'm not really big on the rise, um, but I I do love uh, Four Roses. And it's also a really nice price point. You go in to the store, you can get the small batch for cheaper than you can maker's mark. Oh. Um, no offense makers, but I think <laughs> Four Roses is, is a better quality. So, um, you know, that's just personal taste. So you just have to go out and explore like what's your favorite bourbon. The other day I had a bourbon and I'm just forgetting which one it was. And I thought I liked it. And then I had it and I was like, nope, don't actually like this bourbon. So (laughs) you got, you got to find your bourbon. And from there you'll be able to order a Manhattan or an old fashioned or any sort of uh, cocktail with bourbon in it. And you'll be really happy.
0: Well, you want to tell us how to make a old fashioned?
1: Sure. So um, there's a couple of different ways you can make it. Mine includes um, a lot of fruit, but I, because I'm, I'm a bit of a cherry fan. So um, I love cherries, but not just any plain old maraschino cherries. There are these really expensive, <laughs> so good cherries. Um, they come from Italy and they're called Luxardo and they're the original maraschino cherries. Wow. But they you can eat them straight from, from the jar. Not that I've ever done that, (laughs) Um, but they are just really nice cherries. And so what you do is you take um, the cherries and you muddle them on the bottom with a little bit of sugar. So, and I also prefer to use like sugar cane cubes instead of white refined sugar cubes. I think it gives it a nicer flavor. And um, again, more, more in the, in the craft kind of mindset of food and beverage. And so you muddle them together in the bottom of of a glass. And then from there, you add in like one large single ice cube if you can, because that way you get a a more consistent melt on the drink. If that's not possible, no worries. Several ice cubes just know that it'll get watered down a little quicker. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you add the bourbon and a little bit of soda water, stir it up, Um, take a a, a little orange peel uh, and rub it around the top of the glass, um, to give it a little bit of, um, orange zest flavor, um, as you drink from the glass and then just place it on the side. And, um, you know, you've, you've got, Oh, I forgot to mention, you got to put your bitters in there too, as you are, um, muddling it. And so it calls for Peychaud's bitters and, um, Agastura aromatic cocktail bitters. Uh, and you know, you can kind of, Decide how many dashes of those that you like. Um, I found my particular favorite, so it's all about figuring out your your best recipe based on how bitter or how strong your particular uh, palate can can handle a drink.
0: See, I love that, and, and there are two things two things that you you just mentioned. Um, as you were explaining the old fashioned that I, I, just, I love and I talk about all the time. The first one is ingredients matter. I mean, that's, uh, you know, with, with any kind of cooking and with any kind of cocktail making, I mean, the, the ingredients matter. So if you want to turn out something that is really good, that's exceptional, you need to use good ingredients. Um, you know, like the type of olive oil you use to cook. I mean, all those things really do matter. And then the second, the second thing is, um, has to do with recipes. You know, I, I interviewed uh, Marcel Bienvenu, who is a uh, cookbook author, a food writer. She's been, I mean, she's just so well known down in, in, in Louisiana. Um, she is, but her books are, are, are bestsellers the world over. Okay. Uh, she wrote a book called uh, Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? And Can You Make a Roux? That was the first <laughs> cookbook. And of course, Roux there is R O U X. And uh, fantastic, and, and she she we had a conversation with her one day because when I first started the Catholic Foodie, I was really kind of anti-recipe. I didn't I didn't um, I really didn't want to talk recipes. I didn't want to write recipes. And it, it took it took a lot of people asking for recipes before I finally gave in. And uh, talking with her because for me it's like you know this is an art. You know, cooking is an art. Cocktail making is an art. You know why do I need rules? Why do I need to have these? You know, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Let me do it. Uh, and then finally, she she told me. She says, you know, it, it's really kind of like guidelines, a recipe, and and the the bottom line is this: you just make it the way you want it to taste. Make it the way you like it. And I hear you saying that with uh, with your recipe for an old fashioned. You know, the, to, to to be. Free with it, you know, make it the way that that you like. And I think that is um, fantastic. Thank you so much for that recipe. And people can find that, by the way, uh, on the website, right?
1: Yeah, go to uh, CatholicDrinky.com. And um, it was my drink of the month for April um, since uh, Mad Men, which is my favorite TV show, was coming back. So I wanted to provide that since it's Don Draper's favorite drink. So you can search for it um, or look for my drink of the month tags.
0: Fantastic, and you know we also probably if if we're talking about bourbon, what about um, what is the famous drink that is associated with the uh, Kentucky Derby?
1: That would be a um, oh my gosh! I wish you hadn't just asked me because I had it and now it's gone.
0: (laughs) It's also it was the favorite drink I believe of um, Walker Percy. It was a Catholic author. The mint julep.
1: Yeah, the mint julep. There it is. (sighs) See. just one of those days. I need more coffee, I think. Um, So yeah, mint juleps, you know, I'm, um, I'm still trying to get to a point where I enjoy a mint julep. They have, um, but again, you know, I haven't tried one since I really started getting into bourbon. So I, I, And the thing about a mint julep more so than I think some other classic cocktails is it really is about how they're made. If you're not using super fresh, almost grabbed off of the mint vine mint, it's not really worth it. Um, So, you know... like, like you said, ingredients matter, which is why I'm willing to spend fifteen dollars on a jar of cherries. But those man, those cherries are so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that's the thing, you know. And and if I remember correctly, they are. Um, I mean, they're pure. You know, they don't have a lot of fake uh, chemicals and all that kind of stuff in there. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. They're so. they're all natural, and you know, and they they've been making them for years in Italy, and they're not as sugar laden, and they don't dye them a color like the two dollar maraschino cherries
0: exactly so a little extra money but totally totally worth it we're going to talk uh we'll talk mint juleps and uh we actually grow mint we'll talk about that too after the break we got to take a break right now we'll be back this is the catholic foodie show on real life radio stay tuned Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. So glad that you're here. I'm Jeff Young, your host. This is the Catholic Foodie Show where food meets faith. We're all about growing in faith around the table of the Eucharist and growing growing in faith around the family dinner table, too. You know, those two things are not separate. Uh, Those two things are connected. You can look at that back in Scripture as well. And that's something that we will talk about here on the show as we move forward, as we continue forward. The connection between table and altar is definitely something that is on my agenda. Uh, And also the Catholic Foodie, CatholicFoodie.com, where food meets faith. It's uh, Catholic Culinary Inspiration to Inspire and Encourage You to Grow in Faith. It's... uh, to encourage and inspire you to get back into the kitchen, get around the table with your family and friends. And today we're talking with uh, Sarah Vabulous, known as the Catholic Drinky. She's got a, a book coming out June first, uh, and and I'm just so excited about this. It's uh, Ligori Publications is the publisher, and uh, in addition to stories about faith and and beer brew, right? We also have uh, uh, recipes in there for home brewing, and uh, which. You know, I I do have some experience with home brewing. Um, I do not, however, I'm not an expert, not an expert. But, um, you know, some folks may not have any exposure at all to brewing beer at home. So, Sarah, what kind of what, what's involved in, in home brewing?
1: Well, you know, if you can make oatmeal, you can make beer.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: So what you do um, is you take grain, just raw grain, and you... You let it seep in water for an hour. From there, you put it to certain temperatures, uh, and then you boil the what's called the wort, um, which comes after you drain and strain out um, all of all the grain. And you boil that for an hour or more, depending on the recipe. And then you add yeast and you let it sit. And then two weeks later, you bottle it. So it takes about a month. And it's a really easy process, um, especially if you're like me and make one gallon batches of beer. Um, A a lot of folks uh, only think of homebrew as, oh, I got to have that that turkey cooker that I can use out on my front porch or not even porch, like driveway or whatnot. Well, I brew in my kitchen and I make one gallon batches. And so it yields nine to 10 bottles for me. And that is absolutely just enough for me to keep one or two and give the rest away. Um, and it, it's about a three hour process and I use, uh, my chili pot and a couple of other household items that I just have around. So, um, really not as intensive as you think if you want to just be uh, a one-gallon batch home brewer, which has become very, very popular um, over the last couple of years.
0: That's amazing because that, you're right. That's my experience is the five-gallon buckets and you know, sitting out, uh, usually doing it with a friend or, or even several friends get together and, and making several batches at one time. Uh, we're outside with a propane tank and a big pot and we're, we're, we're making that, that wort, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's a long process. And that was, we, we joke about it. We used to joke about it. At least I haven't made beer in in probably a couple of years, but joke about the fact that you got to be patient, you know, it's, it's a lot of patience involved. It's not like just going down to the store and buying a six pack, you know, uh, but you, you would get, I think over the break, you mentioned with a five gallon, uh, bucket, you're going to get about what, 50 bottles. Yeah, about fifty. About fifty bottles, and once you bottle it, it still has to condition in the bottle, right? It still has to uh, uh, ferment, carbonate, I believe. And,
1: and yeah, carbonate for about two weeks. You know, if you keg, you can enjoy your beer uh, in you know a couple of days. But the kegging system adds um, a lot of money to the process. That's- now it, it's worth it <laughs> if if you're gonna drink the beer uh, in quick enough time you know but if you bottle beers obviously they last a little bit longer than than throwing it on a keg so
0: right right and that's uh, you're right and that's not cheap too even though I have seen folks who who take old um uh, refrigerators and convert them like drill holes into them and you know to convert them into a keg dispenser that's a way to save money, but it's still an expensive endeavor. You know uh, say i'm I'm impressed I, I, that's amazing to do like one batch uh, you know one one gallon uh, batches is fantastic. Um, you know I noticed too, or I can't help but notice that <laughs> that's probably not the right phrase to use. Uh, you have a recipe in my book, the the um, around the table the Catholic food eat Middle Eastern cuisine, that you came up specifically to complement the Middle Eastern food that's in, in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about that that recipe?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, when I heard that Jeff had a book coming out uh, and I was asked to submit a recipe, uh, what's the first thing I did, Jeff? I texted you and said, hey, man, let's talk. (laughs) Uh (laughs) And so I quizzed him and said, you know, what are some of the most prominent flavors in the Middle Eastern cuisine uh, that you're putting into your particular book? And you highlighted mint and lemon and a couple other things. So I came up with a lemon mint pale ale. um, And I think Think that it's it's really I mean it, if I can brag a little it's my favorite recipe that I've I've come up with over the course of all of my my homebrewing and writing these recipes the way that it just balances the lemon and the mint and I went to Dubai in November and I I really the whole time I was there um, for a number of reasons including the fact that folks don't really drink in Dubai. I really wanted one of my beers when I'm out to dinner eating some of this food. I'm thinking, man, like uh, Jeff really helped me hit the nail on the head with these flavors. And so it's a really nicely balanced pale ale that uh, just adds a little bit of refreshment with the lemon and the mint and pairs super nicely with things like hummus or my personal favorite thing. And out of any Middle Eastern uh, food is uh, tzatziki sauce, although I say that incorrectly. So forgive my (laughs) my hickness, but um, I I just love, uh, I love Middle Eastern food. And so this recipe just came out really great. And I've had a lot of folks tell me that it's great for people who don't really like beer. They say, wow, I can't believe this is a beer. I would never think that beer could taste this good Uh, because believe it or not, beer is not just your boring lagers. You can really do a lot of fun things with some ales to make them approachable no matter what your palate is.
0: Oh that's, uh, that's it's it's amazing you know I, I remember when uh, when I was working on the book and and you had submitted that recipe we had that conversation and you came up with this recipe and it was shortly thereafter that uh, I got a I think it was a tweet on Twitter yeah I'm, I'm Catholic foodie on Twitter and uh, it was from you along with a picture of you enjoying the beer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I took it over to a friend's house and I felt like I was cheating on you, but, you know, had to, had to make sure it was good before, before we hundred percent submitted it to your book. Well, so.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's the thing. So I'm in New Orleans and you were in Atlanta. So we're not, uh, we're not right around the corner from each other. And, you know, the, the U S post office has this thing about, you know, mailing alcohol. So, uh, <laughs>
1: They frown upon it.
0: <laughs> they frown upon it, right? So, uh, yeah, I still haven't, uh, I still haven't tried that, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we were actually, we were in Savannah, Georgia, just last weekend. And uh, for my, my daughters had a gymnastics meet. They they represented Louisiana uh, in the Region Eight gymnastics meet there. But that was the kind of uh, trip that's in and out. You know, it's it's almost like uh, covert operation <laughs> military. You know, we were we were there for a purpose, and we really didn't have the the luxury of of spending time visiting with with friends in in the area. Although that was you know we had my, my wife and I had talked about that and said oh it'd be so great to see Sarah. It'd be so great to see. <laughs> captain jeff you know and and uh, maria and all these people who are in georgia but we we just um you know time time was of the essence that's what happens when you live in real the real world right where you got oh yeah work and you got to make beer and you got to so
1: <laughs> but, but i hope you had some fun savannah's a beautiful town and hope you tried some some great southern food there
0: oh there was some there were a few restaurants we went to that uh were just amazing zunzi's is one of them i don't know if you've been to zunzi's it's um it was really street-side service. It was kind of a combination of a food truck slash um, uh, restaurant because they serve out. Uh, it's Middle Eastern food. It, oh, cool! It's wonderful Middle Eastern food. They serve it out of uh, the side of a building. <laughs> you you stand in line. I mean, the middle line was long. We're, we're we're down the the block there, standing in line, and it takes fifteen twenty minutes just to get up there. And then once you order, it's going to take fifteen twenty minutes, all fresh made. You take another fifteen twenty minutes to 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 get the food. Uh, but it was it was fantastic. It was like high quality, all fresh street food, and uh, they had some tables and chairs set up outside, right around the corner. And of course, they have all those beautiful parks down in, in downtown Savannah area. Loved it. That was uh, that was a treat. But they didn't sell. At least I don't think they they sold any alcohol. They had great iced tea, though.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I know I know you also live in the South, but it's a little bit different uh, South than Louisiana and Georgia. We we have our different specialties, and so yeah, sweet tea in Savannah is on point.
0: <laughs> on point. And so the shrimp and grits. I had uh, mm-hmm. can't remember the name of the the restaurant we're at. Uh, one that's Saturday evening, the shrimp and grits were out of this world. It was a really neat little restaurant. I'll have to talk more about that at a different time when I've can you know pull the pictures up? And what it was you know.
1: <laughs> well, there's a reason why um, Savannah's featured often on Food Network, or we've had several um, chefs like Paula Dean come out of Savannah. It just is such a great cultural city um, that has amazing history. It's one of the oldest cities in Georgia, and the food there is um, out of this world, especially if you're having seafood. If you're gonna have. Uh, any seafood here in the Atlanta area that's local, it's it's coming out of Savannah. And in case you didn't know, it's also one of the largest ports in the whole United States. so uh, for our shipping industry.
0: Which is amazing it, it reminded me it's it's funny you mentioned that. It reminded me so much of New Orleans. you know the 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 architecture, the savannahs is, is kind of an it's old. It's an older mm-hmm. architecture, very similar in a lot of ways to New Orleans. And of course, New Orleans, too is also uh, a port city at a mm-hmm. uh, large port there, the the Mississippi. I was amazed at the size of the boats I saw in Savannah. I mean these big huge barges and and all of that. But uh, you know, we did walk right past Paula Dean's restaurant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When we were walking downtown. We we really had no intention of of uh, going into a restaurant at, at you know for lunch that day. We were trying to find something kind of down to the river, you know, not necessarily downtown, but over toward the river. And we ended up at Zunzi's, which was just absolutely perfect and gave me something to talk about. Um, but when we come back, we're about to take a break. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk to you about how beer can help us to evangelize. So uh, we are going to be back in just a minute. You're listening to uh, The Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host. Here on Real Life Radio. So excited that you were here with us. You can tell by this music that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> it sounds New Orleans y. It sounds fun. It sounds kind of like Mardi Gras to me. It makes me want to dance. So during the break, uh, Sarah, we were talking about how Savannah is just so similar to New Orleans and, uh, what a, what a beautiful place. Really enjoyed uh, spending time in Savannah. And I, I look forward. I really do want to go back. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, town. And uh, we're talking today, by the way, Sarah vamulus the Catholic Drinky at CatholicDrinky.com. Welcome, Sarah. So glad that you're here with us today. And... Um, I wanted to talk to you. This is our last segment on the show today, and I really want to talk to you about this whole uh, beer and and evangelism, right, to try to, to reach out, to engage with people, meeting them where they are, because that's what God does with us, right? God meets us right where we are in the messiness of our lives. He doesn't expect us to get ourselves all prettied up for him. Uh, and, and God does that with us. He meets us where we are. So uh, I know that your book is going to talk about this. It talks about, a little bit about um, uh, meeting people, of, of engaging people, um, and uh, where they are. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe you have stories or something of, of um, evangelism in action, if you will.
1: Sure. So, you know, I started the blog with the intent of not just talking about alcohol only, but talking about our faith, because uh, that's the biggest piece of my whole entire life is is my, my Catholic faith. And it's really shaped me into who I am and how I live my life on a daily basis. And, you know, it's something that I want to share with others. Um, I think that, you know, God has blessed me with Uh, many gifts. uh, And one of them, I would like to think that I'm somewhat normal person. And so, you know, in that, I like to go out and and meet people wherever they are, whether it's at a bar and and wherever they are emotionally in their life. Um, And so, a couple years ago, I went out um, to my my favorite uh, restaurant, um, which is a, is a great restaurant here in Atlanta. And they have, you know, over 100 beers on tap and, you know, 300 something in the bottle and always new stuff coming in. And so, you know, I became friends with the, the bartenders, with the manager and really was a comfortable place for me to go by myself. Um, I'm single, live alone. So sometimes I like to go out to dinner. I just don't always want to cook. So went out to dinner just to grab a bite. And, you know, I was just doing my usual thing, watching the Braves game and just having a good time. And this gentleman sits down next to me and he seemed stumped and he didn't know what to order. And he's asking the bartender things. And, you know, I, I try to find a way to insert myself into conversations if I feel like I can. And so I'll crack a joke or in, in this particular case, I suggested a beverage um, for this man to to enjoy. He was hoping for a beer. So I suggested one. Um, and, you know, he smiled at me and we started to talk. And I had a Notre Dame sweatshirt on and I went to school at St. Mary's at Notre Dame, which is the women's college. And turns out that um, this gentleman, his son, went to Notre Dame and And, you know, he asked me, when did you graduate? And turns out we graduated together, his son and I did. So that was a really nice uh, grounding point for us. So we just started to chat. And next thing I know, you know, I was limiting myself to the number of drinks. He, however, um, was not, uh, you know, and no judgment, no judgment. um, But, you know it opened him up because he had, you know, he was starting to really feel relaxed. Um, And he really started to tell me about how much he's struggling in life and that he's going through a divorce and he's just unhappy. And, you know, and, you know, he asked me about how I know so much about beer. And I told him, well, I'm a beer blogger and uh, everyone always wants to know, what's the name of your blog? So I tell them Catholic drinky and they're like, Catholic what? Um, And so it really sparked him. And he just said, Oh, hey, you know like I I grew up Catholic, like I guess I'm technically Catholic, but I don't go to church anymore. I don't feel like I'm a good enough person. And my response always is number one like I'm, you don't know me and I'm a terrible human being. So, you know, like don't you know don't don't be so hard on yourself. You know, there's so many graces that Jesus gives us on a daily basis. And so I said to him, I said, "You know what? Like it's okay that you haven't been to church." I said, um, you know, consider going back. There's, it's never too late. Um, and he's like, well, I feel like I need to go to confession. And I said, well, you know, what's keeping you from going to confession? He said, well, I'm just so, so worried the priest is going to judge me. And which is a common concern, I understand, but I'm, I'm very grateful that I have several priest friends in my life and I've had open conversations with them. So I I know where, I know what to say to people now when they say, I'm scared of confession. You know, I I told this man, like, don't worry about it. These priests have heard everything. And I, I'm here to tell you most of the time, they don't remember what happened. Like there's something with with the Holy spirit that just comes down and erases their memory. I said, just go, you never know what's going to happen. Be open to it. Um, And, you know, I hope to see you at mass sometime because it was clear that his heart was just yearning for, uh, you know, peace and forgiveness from God. And so, you know, I, I, I needed to go to bed. It was getting late. And so, I, you know, I thanked him for our time and I thanked him for a great conversation. Um, and as I walked home, you know, I, I said a prayer for him um, that the Holy Spirit would come and move in his life. And I didn't think anything of it. Just thought, you know, this was a good conversation. You know, I really hope the best for him about six weeks passed and I had a tap on my shoulder when I was going to mass and I turned around and there he is. And he goes, I want to thank you for that conversation. He said, I went to confession and now I'm going to mass every week uh, because of our conversation. And I just, you know, was floored (laughs) that because of something that I said while sitting at a bar, having a drink, um, really helped this man change his life. And so you never know what you as a regular person, um, can do for someone else if you just say yes to the Holy Spirit working in your life.
0: Isn't that amazing? That is just so amazing. And uh, it makes me think, I I was a seminarian. I was actually a seminarian twice. Um, This is going back several years since I've been married for 16 years now. Um, But when I was studying for the seminary at one point, I remember struggling with the whole issue of, you know, is God calling me? Is God calling me? And and even though I felt at one point in my life very strongly that the Lord was calling me to be a priest, at at this particular point something was happening in my life, and I couldn't make heads or tails of it because it was it was obviously God working, but it was He wasn't working the way I wanted Him to be working in my life. And um, and so I'm trying to discern and trying to figure this out. And I remember going to my spiritual director at the time, a priest, and telling him, you know, this is what's going on, and I feel like you know maybe I'm called to be. Married, and that's not necessarily what I thought I was going to do, that, you know, what God wanted me to do. And I remember him telling me, he says, you know what, Jeff, he says, um, when you – because I had this real desire to evangelize, this real desire to spread the word of God. And he says, you know, he says, if, if you really would have an advantage over me if you were not ordained and being able to evangelize and spread the word of God. He says, because as a priest, I, only, I can only do so much. You know, I'm, I'm the one that's preaching in the church. You would be the one who has to bring them into the church. And, and he goes, I can't meet everybody everywhere, but you could. And I, I think about that from time to time, especially when I'm trying to wrestle with certain decisions in my life. And I, and I look at like the Catholic foodie and I look at what you're doing as a Catholic drinkie and seeing that similarity that, you know, this is a way of reaching people who otherwise – May never be reached. And that story you just shared is a perfect example of that. That is amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I still just, I, I wrote about it in my book in a little more detail, but I just, every day I think about it and I think all because I decided that I wanted to learn about beer. And it's just amazing the charisms that God will give you. If you just find something that you're passionate about and continue to pray about it, go to mass and just do all the things that we're called to, you never know the gifts that God will use uh, to help someone else. And, you know, I just, I went for dinner and I just, it just floors me. I, I think God is so amazing in these particular ways that something so plain as Grain, yeast, and water can and hops can turn in you know help change people's lives. Isn't that amazing? That's, a, that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. So you've had you've had a lot of good um, uh, responses to um, the Catholic drinky overall.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's obviously been some naysayers who think I'm an alcoholic um, to which, uh, you know, that they're entitled to their opinion. Um, you know, I'd love for them to come see the fact that fun fact, I, I don't drink much. I usually only have one or two a week tops. Um, you know, I, my metabolism can't handle more than that. And so, um, you know, it's just if you want to if you want to consider me an alcoholic by all means, but I'm going to keep doing what I think God's calling me to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's just the, you, that that happens. I remember being, I was interviewed, being interviewed, I think by Father Dave Dwyer on uh, the Busted Halo once. And uh, that was his take. And again, it was, he was playing devil's advocate, you know, the Catholic foodie, what's it all about? And here you are, the, you're talking about all this good food and everything else. He goes, well, what about, you know, what about fasting? What about gluttony? What about, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? You know? I mean, yeah. the, the point is, is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not eating to gluttony every day, but I write about food. I talk about food. I love to cook. I try to encourage people to eat well and to cook and to, to eat with, with other people, you know, especially their families, if they're at, at home with a family and, uh, and that's all good stuff, you know? So, uh, there, there, somebody has to do it. God needs us <laughs> to to be his voice, his hands, right? And Mother Teresa used to talk about that all the time. God needs us to be his hands and his feet. And uh, it just so happens that at this point in my life, he's using me to reach people through food. And it looks like he's using you to reach people through beer and cocktails.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just important to find a hobby that someone else might enjoy that you can work Jesus into. And uh, I just can't say that enough.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Look, Sarah, uh, how can people find you again?
1: Uh, you can go to CatholicDrinkie.d D-R-I-N-K-I-E dot com, and uh, that's where you can find me. But also on Facebook and Twitter.
0: And they can pre-order your uh, book there at CatholicDrinky.com. And I want to thank you so much for uh, for being with me today. It's been just an absolute delight uh, to have you uh, to have you join me today. I'm, I'm thrilled. And just uh, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jeff.